Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin Ace, Padres beat writer. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, um, look, I don't know that it matters, but the Padres are going to play a, a first place team, a first place team in a bad division. There's a lot of ways we can go with that. The Padres didn't do well when they played the last place team in that division. The Padres are coming off 10 games against the Nationals and the Marlins, in which they went 5-5. Five and five. They lost a series to the Marlins in Miami. They split a series with the Nationals. I do not know what to make of the Padres. They are worse since they got better. Do you still work for me? <laughs> you, you, you look like someone who used to be the Padre writer. <laughs> Oh, Kevin, I will say this. Good. You take three days off in the middle of a baseball season, and it feels like three months. I bet. I <laughs> bet. But it's good, it's good to have you back. And the, the Padres didn't really change much while you were while you were gone. They kept struggling. And and as I think I mentioned to you in a in a note yesterday, they were they were life and death to get a split against the Nationals at home. I mean, they had to win two games where they scored two runs. And and got three basically three home runs was was it, a double by Brandon Drury preceded Josh Bell's second second home run of the weekend and and you know it was a good thing Josh Bell showed up on the weekend because because not many other people did uh, Juan Soto finally hit another home run on on Saturday and and Bell homered on Saturday and Sunday and it's just so strange to see all this and I. I, I don't I don't even know where to begin other than I, I saw something on, on Twitter in the middle of the night. Someone had said that the Padres were eighth in the league in runs scored over the past 30 days. Okay. And I thought, well, that that can't possibly be true because you know I just watched them score eight runs well, in four games against the I can the tell Nationals. you how it is true. I can tell you too. <laughs> because because in their wins. They, they, they are 16 and 14 in the last 30 games. Since Basically, the All-Star since, break. Since the All-Star break. And in those 16 wins, they scored 104 runs. Mm-hmm. They had double digits five yep. times. They had nine yep. runs once. That's 20% of the games right there where they scored at yep. least nine runs. Um, the other games, the 14, they scored 33 so this that's is where good. is one that's of the most good. misleading. I mean, yes, it's. I think it's a wonderful stat. It's exactly what Twitter is for. I mean, that is a fascinating thing to think. Wow, but right. it is so misleading as to be, uh, you know, uh, where it shouldn't. It shouldn't have been put out to the people. <laughs> well, no, I think uh, no, I think it's great to put out to the people, yes. and I think it was put out in the context of. I can't believe this is possible. This could possibly yeah. be true, I but guess. but it is in the. The thing is, when they, it's like when they suck, man, they really suck. And they've really sucked quite a bit. Uh, but they've also had these big games where they just sort of exploded for, you know, nine or 10 or 13 runs. And, and in the, in the losses, they've scored more than three runs only three times. And, and in the wins, they've scored three or fewer runs just five times. And two of those came over the weekend. So it, it, it really is. I mean, if this team could just find a way, basically to score four runs in a game, which doesn't seem like it's asking that much most of the time. Um, they'd probably be in, in really good shape, but instead they are, they are scrambling to stay above, uh, above water in the wild card race. They're still, they're still there. I, I, they're not going to catch the Braves. Um, or if the Braves catch the Mets, they're not going to catch the Mets. So there's no way they're going to be any better than, than, than the fifth, Seed, so they're going to be five or six. We can talk when we get into September 
whether you'd rather be the fifth seed having to go to Atlanta or the sixth seed going to the NL Central champion, which right now looks like it'll be St. Louis. And as we know, it's not really the playoffs if the Padres don't get to play the Cardinals. But doesn't at some, the at some worst point. seed avoid the Dodgers till the NLCS if you were to make it that long? I think you're yes. right, and so that's so another four, reason. Then plays so, the Dodgers. So then you're. So that's another reason to tank at the end to get the. <laughs> it, it could be really interesting between the fifth and the sixth seeded teams, figuring that the Braves are going to be four, and the fifth and sixth seeded teams could be trying to lose just enough to, down the stretch. To still make the playoffs, but not pass the the you know, the other team or whatever. So what, right now it looks like that would be the Phillies and the Padres doing that. But we'll see. I mean, we've got what thirty eight games to go, I believe it is thirty eight. Um, thirty eight for for them and the and the Phillies. The Phillies have forty. As I look at the numbers, and the the Padres are one game behind the Phillies in the loss column. They are even with the sorry the all important loss column. They are even with the Brewers in the all-important loss column. So nothing has been decided. And I'm I'm pretty sure nothing's going to be decided until we get down to the end. And the Padres, whether it's good or bad, have a ton of home games at the end of the season. I believe it's 18 of the final 27 are at Petco Park. And by all rights, they should play better there. Crowds have been great. You know, the crowds were very frustrated. It was Friday night. I know you weren't there. I I I commented on this, and and I'm not saying it's good or bad, but I, I it's been a long time since I've heard the Padres booed like they were on Friday night, and in particular Josh Hader, uh, who was a disaster uh, again in that in that game on on Friday. And I was I was almost a little surprised when Bob Melvin walked off the field on Friday after Hader had walked off that Bob Melvin wasn't booed more because he put Hader in on both Thursday and Friday night. Uh, which I thought was uh, curious on Friday, on Thursday, and really, really, really curious on Friday. I can anyway. understand the curious on Friday. I, 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 the Thursday, having talked to Bob Melvin on Wednesday about it, jo- they, they let Josh Hader go about his business both on the mound and off the way that Josh Hader has gone about it, right? Right, Uh, Bob Melvin is very close with Craig Council, the manager of the Brewers. Josh Hader is a very accomplished uh, reliever. They let Josh Hader do his business until now. So uh, one of the things Josh Hader doesn't like to do is come in just to get work, team down by four or whatever, down by two. Uh, You know, he doesn't like to do that. So – while there been what there was one time they got him in to get work, and there was another time they were going to before they scored those runs against Miami, he prefers to say, "Nope, I'll simulate it. I'll get ready." Just so this nine days off to them wasn't as big a deal as to the rest of us. So I was not surprised by that at all. Fair, fair now, enough. Now we're at a point where Josh Hader will do what the Padres say, um, because you know, <laughs> in terms of be that mechanical, be that some things that, you know, look, he wasn't doing, he wasn't tearing it up. Now he said it was that he was tipping his pitches, but he wasn't tearing it up in July for the Brewers. So I think there's some things that Ruben Niebla going to get under the hood there with and, and we'll see, but I, I wasn't surprised by the Thursday, the Friday. Yeah. You could definitely make that argument. Probably a, again, the, uh, as Bob Melvin has done, be it with starters, be it with uh, his position players, showing faith in a veteran guy. Right, until right. Now Bob Melvin gets to say, I, I did. I gave you everything I could. Now we're going to do it, you know, my way. Yeah. Um, yep. yeah. I, I, remarkable. And I will say this about the fans. I love it because 
they have been so incredible this year. Like it has been such a cool place to be. And fans, uh-huh. by the way, you pay the price, you get to do whatever you want in terms of the boo, the cheer, whatever. There's sometimes Absolutely. I don't understand it. That's not whatever. But I'll tell you what, when you've shown up and you have uh, done what you've done for this team this year and now you're pissed, hey, you know, I'd be, I'd be, I think it would be a little weird if they weren't booing at this point. No, I would, uh, I would, I, I would definitely agree. The only thing I will never, well, there's two things I'll never understand at games. One is the wave, and two is booing when a pitcher throws over to first base. Which <laughs> you and I, I have, you and I have talked about. It happens in a lot of parks, and it's just, it's crazy. It's part of the game. It's just happens. Deal with it. So, anyway, I can only imagine what it would have been like when there were actual base dealers playing. You know. Uh, going back to, you know, Maury Wills and Lou Brock and Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman and guys like that. I mean, you and I grew up watching those games. Guys would throw over 10 times uh, in it at bat. And yet the, the game would still only take two and a half hours. Uh, I, took, I want to suggest the Padres <laughs> throw over more because they're getting, you know, they're. they're oh, they can't stop long. anybody. Yeah. But I, I'm not going to suggest anything that takes uh, a three and a half hour game to a three hour and 40 minute game. Yeah, no, we have uh, we have enough of that. And speaking of speaking of people who take games to three and a half to three forty, Nick Martinez did a good job as the closer the other night. But man, he worked slow. Uh, other day, I guess it was, but he he was. I, I didn't remember him entering no. sort of Darvish Darvish territory in, until the other day. But he was he was really holding on to the. On All right, the I'm going to go back he, and watch that because he's a get the ball, throw the ball guy. So you're boy, telling not me the other. Not the other got day. him in the ninth inning in this in mm-hmm. this spot that is you know supposedly you could throw anybody in there, but you're telling yeah. me you got Nick Martinez who's kind of a badass by the way, right? Uh-huh. You know, and he slowed it down in the ninth inning. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I I thought you know and look they they're not shy of of good relievers. I mean Martinez, nobody I, I'm sure at the start of the season they never thought he'd be a guy to be putting in safe situations, but. He's been he's been good out of the pen. Luis Garcia has been mostly good um, out, of the, out of the pen. And Robert Suarez, I was going to mention, I think either you or Jeff had a note the other day that you take opening night away and his ERA is under two for uh, for the season. So uh, he's been he's been very effective. And and, you know, I would assume at some point in this season decade that we'll see Pierce Johnson and Drew Pomerantz. But, you know. I guess until we see them, it's hard to count on, on them. But I, can you see one of them getting back soon? Can you see yes. one of them being a closer soon? What, what would you do with Hater right now? Well, I think that you're going to do something that they were going to do with Taylor Rogers before they traded him, right? He's going to pitch in the sixth, seventh. You know, we'll right. see. Um, like the games they're in, whatever. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, they'll either be down two or up eight. Uh, and then find some <laughs> spot to, to get Josh Hader in. And, you know, I spent yesterday kind of getting caught up on the major league team after those three days away. I don't know where Drew uh, Pomeranz and, and Pierce Johnson are, but the thought was very much the end of the month or beginning of September. That's fine. Rosters expand. Maybe you see uh, Jose Castillo up in September. And, uh, you know, I have thought all along that the – stretch run slash postseason bullpen would look different. Now, that's weird because by that point you're settling into roles and and uh, Ruben Niebla, Ben Fritz, and, and uh, Bob Melvin will be figuring out what to do with their bullpen. Uh, but uh, better that to have Pomeranz, a healthy Pomeranz and, and uh, Pierce Johnson than uh, to not have them. 
Right, and we should say Tim Hill has been has been good oh. uh, as as well. So I mean, it, I, I think the yes. the bullpen probably has not been. It's hard to say this, not been as bad as maybe the perception. I think the perception comes because guys like Rodgers and Hader, who were supposed to be, you know, the the guys that really nail things down at the end, have both had their struggles um, at various times. And well, and early on, Lister, Jay, when they or, were finding these ways to win, yeah, they the, the bullpen found ways for them to lose five or six exactly. games. That yeah. too. Yeah. No, that's that's true. And I, I do think it seems like it's been better, which it's had to be because the starters uh, have not quite been uh, as good, although they turned in some good efforts, you know, against the uh, uh, against the Nationals. Um, so, you know, and the, and I, I want to get back to the to the hitting and the eighth and the run scored and all that stuff because I, I think there there are guys, you know, Machado has been incredible again um, since the trade. He's gone back to being the Manny that we saw basically before his injury in the uh, in the first half you know that I mean he's he's not going to be the MVP Paul Goldschmidt's going to be the MVP yeah. and and very rightly so but Machado is going to get a lot of MVP votes the way things are going um at this point he's putting up big numbers and I said especially since the trade um the opposite of that and, and has been Yurks and Profar who has been really really poor since since the trade and I hadn't realized how bad until I I looked it up this morning. He's batting 159 since that first game that the guys that Soto and Bell and Drury played, and his OPS is, is 445. So, you know, he finally got dropped out of the leadoff spot the other day. Uh, Will Myers went into it. Myers has not been good. Uh, he had a, a good little stretch. Maybe they thought they could capitalize on that, but for the season, you know, Will Myers should not be a guy with a 620 OPS. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on Cornerworth. To me, he seems like he's hasn't been as good this year, and yet I look at the numbers. His OPS adjusted is like one fifteen somewhere in there. I think his WAR is well over three. So he's done some good things. It just doesn't seem like he's quite been the same player that we saw. He hasn't been bad by any means. Um, he should be. But, listen, I think their take on it, his take on it is he should be better, right? Like yeah. he shouldn't be the guy that I'm always finding these little nuggets about that look how he helped his team win. He's supposed to be that guy plus with a 785 OPS, right? right. You know, right. 120 OPS plus, uh, something like that, you know, that where this is a really solid all-star, not a, you know, last minute four guys dropped out all-star. He that That's who Jake Cornerworth is, is supposed to be in the minds of, of everybody with then really good defense. He deserves every bit of that three war in, in my mind. Right. Um, based on what yeah. he does to help this team. But the numbers are just too, you know, up and down. Yeah. And then, you know, Josh Bell, a complete enigma since getting here. Um, maybe this is the sign. I mean, I, I always hate to to say, oh, a guy got a hit or a team, you know, it's the whole thing. Oh, the team's going to use this as a spark. I don't I don't really necessarily buy into too much of that as a team. But as an individual, I think it can help. I mean, obviously, he should be have more confidence now after the last um, after the last couple of games, you know, being able to at least hit home runs, help his team, that sort of thing. You know, Juan Soto has four RBIs since he got here. And I know RBIs is a, you know, however you want to judge RBIs. And obviously with Profar batting in front of him, <laughs> yeah. we can see why maybe he doesn't have too many RBIs. But he has had a couple big situations yeah. where he did not, where he did not come through. He did hit a big home run. 
the other night. It's hard to be too critical of Soto, but I, I will say this. Soto has, since he got here, like you see Manny on the field every game, to me at least, and Manny, Manny look, and Tatis was like this as well, if we're allowed to mention his name. Um, those guys looked like superstars, and those guys kind of made superstar-type plays. Now, we've only seen Juan Soto for three weeks. Juan Soto, to me, has not looked like that kind of a player. I think a lot of what Soto does well is, you know, he controls the strike zone, he walks, uh, he'll, he'll get, like I said, he got the home run the other day. But he doesn't, I, and I'm trying not to be too critical here because Juan Soto is a fantastic player, but he hasn't shown in these three weeks that he's like Juan Soto, $500 million Take over player, a game. Take guy. over a game kind of guy. Okay. The way that you saw, the way we've uh -huh. seen Tatis and Manny take over games the last couple of years. Now, again, it's three weeks. Right. No idea what's going to happen going forward. He's, but, you know, look, he has, he's been he's been really good. But there's just, you know, you'd like to see a couple more big hits um, it coming coming off his bat instead of leaving it for, for Machado. I have felt that both on a personal level as a beat writer, I won't really know Juan Soto till next year. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is true as as a fan, as, as a media member, someone watching him from the outside in terms of what does he do for a team? I think feel like we won't know that till next year. Now, maybe he's going to go on this incredible tear where he has yeah. 1200 OPS for the last 15 games and he carries the team into the playoffs because he seems to be capable of that. But absolutely I, I'm with you. And, and I, I can't wait to see how over the course of a season, um, people pitch to him. Everything's going on right now. We had the Tatis stuff and I feel like I really haven't been able to kind of get into this, but like you also know that because Austin Nola and Hassan Kim, when they were batting eight, nine actually were on for, for uh, Juan Soto a few yeah. times. Right. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, Juan Soto is going to take his walk. You're going to bury three pitches on him. Maybe try to get him maybe to go mm -hmm. and then you're going to walk him. And so now Juan Soto is bases loaded because two guys were on because you know, he's not going to swing at a borderline pitch that maybe Manny was going to and hit for a double. Right. So, right. Right. I just wonder how that all plays, right? And I'm not at all. Look, I've gotten a lot of emails from cranky old men, older than you, Jay, uh, that are upset that his batting average isn't high enough. And it is a down year for sure. Yeah. But like, holy crap. No, I'm not I'm not doing that. But I, I do wonder like if there is something where Juan Soto could like hit a little bit more. But I'm not yeah. that's that is that's not an observation right now. That's merely a question of a guy who hasn't really been able to watch him because Tatis got in trouble. And by the way, um, uh, Jerickson Profar, I mean, Tatis was going to be your leadoff hitter. I think that's where this is going to show up biggest. I'm not saying that like capital letters breaking, colon, uh, like right. I just unearthed something huge. But when you bring up Profar, it's like, that is the thing that like they were going to have was Tatis in the leadoff spot. Well, and I think the thing with Profar is, and we, you know, we talked way back in the spring and early season about the the Padres needed a left fielder, and the the reason that that I think a lot of people, including myself, thought that they needed a left fielder, unfortunately, is being pro proven now is that you weren't sure Profar could do this over 140. I mean, not that he's going to play 162 games, but that he was going to be a 140 game guy and be able to produce the way he did earlier in the year, over 140 games. And he seems to have maybe gotten worn down a little bit. 
during this time. He had the concussion. Then he came back and played. I thought like it was a little strange. 30 games in a row or something. Yeah. How did, how did he never get a day off during that during that time? Um, because no one else like was hitting. But, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. but but he wasn't no. hitting either eventually. So, yeah. at some point, you know, probably got should have gotten a day uh, or two. But I think he just kind of got worn out there. And uh, I think that's why – I think Profar is perfect as a guy who can jump in and play for a few weeks at a time. But I don't know that you want him being the guy for a few months at a time. And but right now, I mean, if Will Myers isn't going to do anything, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of options. And you certainly uh, don't want him there. as that guy when no one else is producing. That's oh, that's sure. a huge problem yeah. as well. Because I yeah. think we're going to look back and go, almost no matter what happens here, you're going to look back and go, you know, Jerickson Profar had himself a heck of a season for Jerickson Profar. What I'm talking about in the context of this conversation is he's not Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, And he's been asked to be the leadoff hitter. I mean, for goodness sake, Jerickson Profar could be five times as good as somebody thought he was going to be in spring training, and he still probably shouldn't be your leadoff hitter. Yeah. Well, and when when his on-base percentage was up over 350, batting and leadoff was was great. Now that it's dropping, obviously, it's, it's not so great. And I wonder, again, what are the options? There's not a lot in there. I mean, I... I always thought when Myers was, was when Myers was a pretty good player a few years ago. I thought batting him leadoff was actually a pretty good idea. He seemed like the kind of guy when he got rolling, he could be a 340, 350 on base guy and a little power, and he could and he could as we know he can run. Right now, I, I'm not sure. You know, with with Grisham still sort of being Grisham, and you know he's been better. I mean, he's not hitting 129 anymore. But how often do you want him leading off? It's it's kind of a tricky. Tricky situation. I mean, I, I, I've seen a couple of people say just bat Juan Soto lead off if he's going to walk all the time anyway. But I, I'm not sure I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go that route at this it's point. It's interesting, Grisham, right? Like I'm, I'm never going to get inside someone's head, but I know that there have been times this year that that Bob Melvin, be it Grisham, somebody else, has kept them down in the order for the purpose of letting them relax a little bit, right? Yeah, and. I mean, you put Grisham up there at the top and and, and what happens, right? Um, he has been, by at least by some measures, one of them being OPS, their third best player since the trade. Uh, you know, uh, right, right there with Hassan Kim. I think their numbers are virtually the same, I think. But uh, he's been, you know, he's contributed, that's for sure. But I don't know that the on-base numbers are, are that much, uh, are, are that great. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's also like why, like I saw, um, you know, Bob Melvin's handling of Josh Bell, whether you thought, hey, really cool that he showed faith in him or he should have taken him out. My question to you uh, or my answer to you on both of those would have been, well, who else was he going to play? Well, I, I think if Josh Bell was going to go 0 for 31, you could find or 1 for 31, you could hopefully. And find he eventually somebody. did. Jose right. Ozokar could could be better than than that. And any and, and Myers, you know, could go yeah. in there. So I, I don't think it's a case of he didn't have anybody else because I, I do think they have other other people it just again and i don't know what the benefit it's easy to sit here and say they should give this guy a day off i don't know what the is there a big benefit in that after a a guy has been struggling for for is it six games is it 10 games i i don't know enough about that to say i will say i do think profar should have had one just from a standpoint of playing a long time after a concussion but um for josh bell yeah it seemed like maybe he should have gotten a day and then then when he finally did get a day, he was brought in, I think, in the fifth inning anyway. I know. Um, so it wasn't much of a day. But then he ended up a couple the next couple of days hitting home runs. And it was good to see him go the other way. 
on on Sunday with that with that home run. But you know, it's still an impossible offense to figure. I saw we had one guy in the comments mentioning the hitting coach who I've been mentioned been meaning to mention to you is to is there any talk about the hitting coach? And I think you know my feeling about hitting coaches, as I've made clear to you personally and on these podcasts before, which is that I don't blame the hitting coach for any of this stuff because, to me, these guys hit or they don't hit. And if hitting coaches made that much difference, the Padres wouldn't have had 46 of them since they moved into Petco Park because somebody would have been good in that stretch. But I don't know if there's anything with this hitting coach in particular. You're around the team uh, you know, we never we never hear from him. We don't see him discuss much. What what's your read on on the hitting coach and what sort of role he plays here, and and how much how much is he to blame for any of these offensive inconsistencies? To put it well, to put it nicely, my take is that he's a very smart guy. That uh, he works well with these guys. They like him. Uh, very similar to my take on some of the other hitting coaches that I've covered. Um, <laughs> you do see that a lot of their metrics are better. I mean, they should be a better hitting team with as you know uh, as selective as they are. Uh, the the reality is that overall they they do hit fairly. Not recently, really at all. But uh, runners in scoring position, they, they're they're not terrible. They are selectively terrible. And and there's some guys that have like really that. underperformed. And yeah. I don't know that we'll ever understand how much blame and how much credit a hitting coach gets. I, I, I just don't know that we ever will. And it can be from guy to guy too. You know, you can have five guys who think this guy locked me in. Right. right, right. And 10 guys who don't care. And then five guys who don't like him. Um, <laughs> and, and again, he could be the worst. I, I don't have any evidence of that. Okay. But yeah. let's say the hitting coach X could be the worst. Well, but what about ABCDEFG, all the guys that they've had before? At least yeah. one of these guys, I think two or three of their former hitting coaches are currently employed by other teams. Now, I'm not I, saying that those other teams made brilliant decisions. I'm just saying, like, somebody thought those guys were good too, and they can't have all stunk. I, yeah. No, I, I it's, it's a, I've never figured out the first person to tell you that the hitting coach isn't important is going to be the hitting coach. Now, maybe he's doing that because he knows eventually he's going to be fired. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm sure that's uh, I'm sure that's and some guys, I mean, they're going to, you know, like uh, some guys are going to want to figure it out on their own and 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 do it that way. And and some guys are going to listen and some guys aren't. And it's it, it just seems like it's it's such a lonely spot when you're when you're up there at the plate that. You know how much how much can somebody really get you prepared for that? As much as you just have to prepare yourself and you have to react. And if you're thinking too much in that, you know, half a second that you have to decide what you're going to do, you're probably in big trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in this spot in your life. Be it, I don't know, maybe you were just playing a game in the backyard, or when you were a kid, or 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 now in some sort of situation where you had a plan, and then in that heat of the moment. You look back on it later and you're like, I had a plan and I did something different in that moment. Well, yeah, it's, yes. called, it's, it's called my golf game. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but like, yes, 
these guys should be different. There's a dip, you know, different mentality. They're better than us at this particular sure. discipline and all that. But they also are human. They also are aware, no matter how much they block it out, of 40,000 people in the stands and, and uh, whatever it is watching, you know, a local broadcast and, and all that. They're very aware and that, and that they're going to get questions afterward and, and all that. They're, they're aware of that. And, and it, maybe they were even told before they went up and they watched video with Michael Berdar in between and they had a hitters meeting before the game. And that's why what a guy like Juan Soto does is so amazing is because he sticks with his plan virtually all the time. But anyway, uh, I don't know what the answer is on the hitting coach. Um, I do know that there have been a, a large number of uh, really streaky players on this team for the last two years. Right. But you, but you would have heard, and he's only been here this year. um, I believe, right. This yes. is his first year, but you and you would hear grumbling if there was grumbling, uh, and nothing more than this is where it. I'm in a tricky situation in the day of of uh, of Twitter is nothing that made me go there's there's something wrong with this guy right. like where last year you started to go huh okay well now this is like the fifth thing I've heard okay I yeah. better look into this yeah. and that's where you you stack it on top of each other as a reporter and I I got nothing of that now yeah. I am constantly like. These guys are not hitting well. Should I be asking more about Michael Berdar? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we just have the the dreaded 30-minute tone. But real quick, we have Mike Clevenger pitching tonight against his old team. Uh, I think Aaron it's Aaron Savale. Savale for the Guardians. And then Cal Quantrill pitching against his former team tomorrow and you Darvish. Uh, Clevenger pitched in Cleveland. It was his first game of the season, I believe. And Quantrill pitched against the Padres and pitched pretty well. Pretty well uh, in that uh, in that game. Savali has been pitching well lately. Um, almost so anybody has, has uh, looked so good. So Quantrill. He did let up four to the Tigers last outing, but yeah. the two outings before that shut out Toronto for seven and shut out the Houston Astros for six. So and meanwhile, the Padres almost didn't score for six innings against Patrick Corbin. So we have no idea what to. Uh, I didn't think it could expect. get worse until I saw that. <laughs> it was incredible. Now they um, did have Patrick Corbin take um, some time off. So maybe someone turned him into Walter Johnson between the last time he was allowing 20 runs in, in two yeah. innings and uh, yesterday, but yeah, no, it was Sunday. Uh, it, it, on Sunday. It was, it was something else, but anyway, uh, two, two with Cleveland and then another off day Thursday and you will be off to Kansas city yep. uh, where you and I traveled many times to see a sport other than baseball. And uh, never been to that baseball stadium, unfortunately, but I hear it's one of my favorites here. It's nice. Um, Classic. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday then when the Padres start their longest remaining road trip, I believe. Their longest uh, in uh, terms of miles, days, everything. Yep. Nine games on the road ending in uh, ending in L.A. But we'll talk to uh, everybody on Friday when Kevin's in Kansas City. Thanks, everybody.